As a photographer, you've probably heard a lot of things from other people, including educators and other people in your industry. That doesn't necessarily mean they're true. Today on the pod, we're going to talk about certain photography myths, whether they're true, kind of decode them, and I'll give you my opinion on them. Some of them are just going to be my professional and personal opinion. Others are going to be like 100% true or false. Welcome back. We're going to talk about photography myths today. There are so, so many of them out there. And people are going to tell you a ton of things just because they've heard it from somebody else. And it may or may not necessarily be true. Not that any any of what I am saying could be false. I could totally be wrong. But this is just my professional and personal opinion. On a note to before we start this, I want to say that everyone has their own learning path that they have to go down and everyone learns differently, whether you listen to a podcast to learn new skills or you are a hands-on learner and you need to be taught things um, in person and visually. So take it with what you will, but I'm going to decode them for what I think they might be true or false. I've got nine myths here that we're going to talk about and we'll see if we get through all of them. The first one is... Your camera should cost over $2,000. You need an expensive camera to take great photos. This is, this is wrong. My first camera I ever bought myself, not that was given to me, was probably five, $600. And I don't think I started using manual mode till probably two and a half years in. No one's going to know how much your camera costs. Your clients are not going to know how much your camera costs unless your clients are photographers. So being self-conscious about how much your camera costs doesn't really matter. What matters is the quality of images that you produce with said camera. You can walk into Best Buy right now and go get a Canon Rebel T7 and start your business on that. I know so many people that that is what they started with. And they didn't get in their camera for at least another year. So they were photographing weddings, families, all kinds of things on that Canon Rebel T7. That's a great camera also that I recommend if you're just starting out and you really want to dive into just kind of like playing around with the camera, wanting to learn the settings and so forth. So no, you do not need to have the most expensive camera out there to be a professional photographer. I do recommend once you've been in the industry or been in the business for a while that you do upgrade your camera because... The more you pay for a camera, the better quality it is. And that goes without saying, when you start looking at different models and different camera bodies that you want to purchase, you'll see that the frames per second are higher. The the video capabilities some of these cameras have are more broad than others. And if you get to a point in your business where you need that, then that would be when I would suggest you upgrading when the camera that you first bought is just not doing anything for you anymore. I personally have gone through four different camera bodies since I started. I started out on a Nikon D60 that my husband actually already had in his possession, which is an older body. Then I switched to a Nikon D3400 that I picked up from Best Buy because I was like, I really want to do something with this and I want to have more capability in my camera. The more I started charging in my business and my prices began to raise for clients, that was at the point when I started investing more into my cameras. I just got a text message saying, am I team Jeremiah or team Conrad? <laughs> Welcome to my life. 
And I do believe that is the way that you should go about it. The more you start working in your business, the more you're booking, the more clients you have. I do believe the first thing you should do um, as far as gear is update your camera body. You want a camera that's going to be very reliable and that is not going to take a shit on you in the middle of a session. And the more you spend on the camera, the closer you're going to get to that goal. There's a reason why these cameras are priced the way they are. For example, a celebrity that I follow that I love watching just bought a Leica M6. And a Leica is a German brand just made out of Germany. So that camera cost anywhere from $4,500 all the way up to like seven grand, depending on what add-ons and um, extra things you get on. But Leicas are known for having this like 3D quality in their images compared to the competitor, which is why they're able to price themselves at that certain price point because they know people are going to buy just for that quality. The last of the cameras that I purchased are probably the best cameras I've ever owned and my favorite brand that I've ever owned. I've never owned a Canon. I've always been Nikon. However, I have tried Canon when working with other businesses and other photographers in the industry. And I just wasn't a big fan of the quality is great and Canon lenses are great, but I wasn't a fan of the user interface on the camera itself. So in 2020, when I was getting all those unemployment checks in because I was still working Monday through Friday, um, I took that money and I invested in Sony cameras. I now own a Sony a7 III and a Sony a7 IV. I can tell the difference between my three and my four. And I can tell the difference not only in quality, but in the price point. My a7 III was close to two grand and my a7 IV was close to three grand. So it was about a grand difference, but those were not my first cameras. So it is a 100% myth that you need to have an expensive camera because you don't. I built my business on a $500 one. Okay, let's read the next one. You need to go to college to be a photographer. No, you don't. There's two different ways you can do it and it's all gonna depend on like where you wanna go in, the, in your career as a photographer. You could go freelance and self-taught or you could go college, possibly get like a fine arts degree or get some sort of art art bachelor's. Some colleges actually have photography degrees. I'm going to tell you the difference between the two in my personal perspective. I don't have a photography degree. Never will. Well, maybe I shouldn't say never. I don't have a photography degree, but I'm going to tell you kind of what I've seen comes from having one and what doesn't. Or just having like an arts degree in general. You could have a master in fine art and be a photographer. If you are freelance and you are 100% taught, you are learning from people like me. You're learning from people on Instagram. You're learning from people on YouTube. You are completely absorbing all the information that the internet has to share with you. You're learning from other photographers who have been in the business who are very well seasoned in their um, career who have transitioned their business from not only being a photographer themselves, but turning on to the education part of it. So you'll see things like online workshops, online courses. You'll see a lot of this like with wedding photography. You'll also see a lot of this with videography. There's a lot of videography online courses. That's going to be your like freelance self-taught portion of it. <laughs> 
But it's almost as expensive as getting a degree. Trust me. If I could add up everything I spent on courses and education online alone. And you're also going to have in-person workshops that other photographers host that come together as a community and they find out what we need to, or they find out what photographers want to know, what's going to help them, what they're struggling with. And they create these conferences, like three, four day conferences where you go and attend, you network with other photographers and you take classes and you and these last all day, just like school would. This kind of pathway can, is for everybody, can be for everybody. The majority of photographers I've found that have taken this path are wedding photographers, portrait photographers, business owners. You get, the, you get my drive. Now let's go into the college path. There's nothing wrong with going to college. I did go to college. I just dropped out. You're going to find a lot of people that go down to the college path for photography or people who want to be like in the entertainment industry who want to do fashion photography for big time brands in New York City and internationally over in Paris, um, Paris Fashion Week people. You're going to find a lot of that. Um, a lot of those people who are hired for those kind of events or those kind of sessions, those kind of jobs do have a some sort of college art background. Not to say that you couldn't do freelance and get those jobs, just saying it's more likely that you're going to get hired if you have college art background for, I don't know, if you see a job listing in New York City for a fashion blog or a fashion magazine. So neither of those ways are wrong, but it is a myth that you have to go to college to be a photographer. It just depends on kind of what photographer you want to be. This next one is probably one of my favorite ones because I catch myself saying this all the time, time and time again, that I'm going to do this. And I'm like, why did I do this to myself? It's anything can be photoshopped out. <laughs> if you get on Instagram right now, you're probably going to find a lot of reels of photographers joking around saying, oh, I'll just photoshop it out. Holy cow. Like, no, let's not. Let's just fix the problem ahead of time. There are a lot of things that can be photoshopped out and there's a lot of things that can't be photoshopped out. We have a lot more options now that we have AI. We're going to do a whole video on AI later. Let's not dive into that yet. But can I just make a point in saying that you have to know how to use Photoshop in order to Photoshop something out? People who went to college probably took a class in Photoshop. If you're freelanced or if you're self-taught, the chances are there that you've taken a Photoshop course, but if they're not, you're not going to know what you're doing. So I highly recommend taking a Photoshop course, whether it be online or at a local college, like a local community college that just does like a certification because they do that. There's also YouTube, aka free. But I'm going to tell you a few things that I know can be Photoshopped out and some that I can't. And then you can make your assumption off that. In my experience, things that can be photoshopped out are heavy tan lines, pimples. I'm going to include the ones with AI as well, just because we're at that point in our, you know, in our life that it's just possible. People in the background. If you're really talented, you can even photoshop people out of a group, even if they're in the middle. And two of the big things that I struggle with photoshopping out of people's images are sun flares and glass glares so like if they wear glasses and they have a, a glare from the sun so i'm going to give you a workaround about how you can avoid having to photoshop things out and that is just to fix them while you're there look at what you're photographing and if you see somebody with glasses on and you can see a glare in their glasses while you're photographing them go ahead and fix it right then and there and you won't ever have to worry about doing it 
in post. When it comes to sun flares, I've had it both ways to where I've done it intentionally and I've done it unintentionally. For example, I put a sun flare in a photo intentionally, lined up my composition of this photo to add a little bit of creativity to it. And when I delivered it to my client, they did not like the sun flare in their photo. Now, as long as that sun flare was somewhere that wasn't on the actual subject, like the two people in the portrait, you could possibly Photoshop that out. But when it becomes a problem is when you get a sun flare and you're trying to be creative and it's right on the center of someone's face, their clothing, their wedding dress, things like that. And you're and you just can't Photoshop that stuff out. There is one way you could Photoshop a sun flare out of a wedding dress or clothing or on a subject. And that is if you have a similar image that you've just taken right before that one that doesn't have any sun flares at all. And then you could kind of merge them together. You have to know how to use Photoshop to do that, but that's just a quick solution. The next myth is something that I have a lot of passion talking about because I think everybody should learn how to do this and they should learn how to do it right out the gate. Not only is it going to broaden your skill set, it's going to allow you to have a lot of flexibility in your schedule when it comes to booking clients. So the myth says, don't shoot during the day. How many of you out there only shoot during golden hour? I know there are some of you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's still true to this day that golden hour is probably the best time because of the soft lighting. However, that is not realistic for running a business. If you want to host a mini session event outside and you're trying to set up time slots for your clients to be able to book what time they want, yeah, you could probably set it to where it's only during the afternoon and there's not harsh sunlight, but that's unrealistic because, and you don't want to limit yourself to clients that are only available certain times of the day. One of our episodes on the podcast is going to be about how to shoot in harsh sunlight. So when we get to that, I'll tag back to this video. However, if you don't know how to do that yet, I highly recommend going and trying Caitlin James lighting and locations course. It is a bit of an investment, but she does have a sunlight segment in there that will absolutely help you the next time you're trying to shoot during the day. I want to note that there's really only an hour during the day that you shouldn't shoot. And that is when the sun is directly above you. When the sun is not directly above your subject, then you have so many options and so many different ways you can position your clients or position your camera or position the way you want the image taken to where you have this beautiful glow from the sun and it could be two in the afternoon. I've actually done some sessions during the day that I absolutely love. They're some of my favorite sessions and I will never limit myself to not shooting during the day ever again. <laughs> the next one's kind of funny because I know so many people who are in their like 60s who are amazing photographers. Not saying that 60 is old, you've still got a lot of life left to live, but you can also learn so much from those people because they've been in it for so long. So the next myth is I'm too old to learn. If someone's too old to learn something, I don't wanna see the elderly knitting. Because your girl can't knit and I've tried, okay? I either don't have the patience for it or I skip over a loop or I always do something wrong. So I give like major props to the elderly that knit. However, they've probably been doing it all their life, but the fact that they still have that skill and they remember that skill, that's pretty impressive. That goes without saying, you're never too old to learn photography. You're never too old to pick up a camera. You need to let your self-conscious thoughts get out of your own way if you were an older individual wanting to pick up a camera because the majority of what you're doing is documenting life, is documenting moments. And someone else's opinion of what moments 
you document shouldn't matter. I hope my mother-in-law does not get angry when I mention her on the podcast. However, for Christmas two years ago, all of the, all the siblings, we all pitched in and got her a new camera because her camera was like a point point and shoot Kodak or point and shoot um, Canon. It didn't have any of the detachable lenses or extra accessories. And me being a photographer, I knew that she wanted something more than what she had. And when I tell you my in-laws are the hardest parents to buy gifts for, I feel like we get my father-in-law a grill set every year or some sort of grill accessory. Pretty sure he probably has a closet in his house, nothing but grill tools. So that Christmas, I sat down with my husband and I said, what can we get your mom that will be meaningful, that she'll use, that it'll get its worth? And the light bulb moment hit where I was like, let's let's get her a new camera. And it's been so fulfilling to watch her learn that camera and like visually see the bond that's being created by me sharing my expertise with her and her asking me questions and her knowing that I know what I'm talking about. It almost makes me emotional because I give great pride in myself that I know so much about something to be able to share it with other people. Let me collect myself, hold on. So my mother-in-law is a very active member in the community as well as her church. I really believe she wanted the option at her fingertips to be able to capture moments herself without waiting for someone else in the community to send them to her, like photos and images and videos. So she has used her her new camera at church. She's done it for um, my niece's baptism, birthday parties, Christmas specials, family gatherings. And it's so nice because she can take her camera and she can go to Walmart or she can go to somewhere where she wants them printed. And all she has to do is pop in her SD card and she can print as many photos off her camera as she wants. So no matter how old you are, no matter what you want to use your camera for, it's never too late to learn a new skill. The last one I'm going to touch on is something I want you to take away with you today if you're a photographer and I want you to practice. I can show you so many before and afters that you'll be like, holy cow. I am going to attach a before and after of a certain scene of a photo shoot that I did. It'll be in the description of this episode. You can go look at it. It's a link to my Google Drive. But the myth goes, you have to be in a beautiful location to get beautiful images. There's some truth to that. And there is definitely some falsehood. I do believe beautiful locations make beautiful images. If you are on the coast of Greece and you take an image, it's going to be downright gorgeous no matter what you do. You could take a picture of the sand and it would be gorgeous. I believe that no matter where you put a person in Greece, the backdrop is going to be absolutely stunning. To find the perfect word, it's going to be picturesque. It's going to look like a painting hung on a wall. Photography is art, you guys. However, I have a home in a very honky-tonk town that has no stoplight. The Dollar General is the grocery store, and there's only one gas station, and the, there's, you have to drive 15 minutes to get to a Walmart. When I say that you have to be creative in finding your backdrop in these areas, I cannot express it enough how hard you have to work for it. So I did a headshot session for a hairstylist in the area a couple months ago, and we were tr- having trouble finding a location. I wanted something classical, but yet had some sort of floral element to it. And we were just in the middle of June, July when we had a heat advisory and everything was dead. Like the roses were not growing, flowers were not growing because we weren't getting any rain. So I was driving around the closest downtown I could find, which is about 20 minutes away. And I'm driving and I'm looking around scouting and I see this one blossoming tree. One blossoming tree, you guys out of the whole downtown. And what was it propped up against? It was propped up against a brick building. 
Brick buildings are great. They are. They really are. But they're not my style. I like neutrals. I like whites. I like a light and airy feel to my images. And a brick building is not going to give me that. So I look at this tree and I'm like, how am I going to do this? So I took an image with my iPhone of the actual blossoming tree against the brick building. And then I took a picture with my camera for the session for my client and put that Put both of those in the description of this episode you, so you can see the before and after. You can tell by the iPhone image that you might have, you might look at that and be like, how are you going to make that happen, Ashlyn? What, like what? Because there's a bank behind it and you can see the tellers. And if you turn it around, there's a brick wall in the background and there's no depth there if you're just looking at a flat brick wall as your background. And then you turn it the other way and it's a parking lot. <laughs> I knew this is where I wanted to photograph at least a few of her portraits because it gave it that floral element that she and I were looking for, but I didn't know how I was going to do it right when I got there. I also knew that I didn't want that to be my primary location because I wanted variety in her gallery and I honestly didn't know how I was going to approach that location. So I wanted to make sure that her gallery of images I was confident in was there, but then at the end of that first location I said hey there's this one spot that I might be able to make work do you mind if we try it she was all game so we went over there I like stood her next to it and it was more of like a, a bush tree like it there was a lot of blooms and a lot of things coming out of it and you'll know if you're a photographer who likes a lighter editing in their portraits that you kind of have to compose your image to where there's your subject and your element on one side and then you have an open sky or an open area or some sort of open space like negative space on the other side to be able to get that that airy feel so i couldn't clearly put her up against this brick wall with the flowers going over because that wasn't going to accomplish what i was setting out to do what i did instead was there was a brick wall the tree and then I kind of put her like almost close to the tree. And then I let her touch the tree with like her hands or hold on to it and kind of give her like this very, very, and kind of give her like this wistfulness to her to where she as a person looked very light and very comfortable. And she would kind of look the other way. And it just gave it this like ethereal feel. And the image itself looked great. Like the composition looked great. My negative space was not negative though. It was the bank tellers. I could not avoid the bank tellers in the background. So here's what I did. I took it into Photoshop. And Photoshop has this great new feature with AI where you can actually select a part of your background, type in what you kind of want in the background, and it will input it in there. So I selected that part of the background. I typed in add more pink blossoms, aka the same blossoms that are over here on this tree. And it literally mimicked it in the best way with enough space up in the corner. And then the tellers at the bottom, I patched out and made more of like a concrete parking lot background. So yeah, I did a lot of work on this location in this image. But it just goes to show that you don't have to be in the most beautiful place in the most ideal location to get a beautiful image. Is it easier if you have Greece as your backdrop or you have a beautiful location as your backdrop? Absolutely. But you're not always going to get that. You could plan it out as much as you want and you could have a beautiful location to go to. What if it rains? You have to be able to adapt yourself to certain situations and... 
certain locations and be able to look for things. And that's what makes like a, that's what makes a photographer so creative is being able to look at something and be like, whoa, that could be this. And in the end, you feel so proud of what you did. You feel so proud of your artwork. You feel so proud of what you've accomplished. And the next time you're driving by that spot and you're like, hey, that's where I took this picture. And you're talking to somebody and they're like, what? There's no way. So it's really rewarding. It's a very, I mean, photography is a very rewarding career in itself. Well, that's all the myths that I'm going to talk about today. I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope there was some sort of, you know, light bulb moments that you had. That would be awesome. If not, it's okay. It doesn't hurt my feelings. You're either a person who's going to take what people tell you and what you listen to and utilize it and apply it to your practices, or you're just going to do your own thing. And I'm okay with either of them. Thank you guys for listening. I did order a microphone last night, so it should be in soon. And the audio quality is going to exponentially get better if it isn't right now for you. And I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you're a photographer or you're someone who wants to be a photographer, or even if you're a client and there's anything that you want me to talk about in this podcast, feel free to hop on my Instagram at cnshayphotoco. Go ahead and send me a message and say, hey, I would love if you talked about this on the pod. Or if it's something that I can answer directly for you or help you out with, I'll go ahead and do that right in my DM. It's a beautiful day outside. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I will see you guys next week. Mm -hmm.